Hey y'all, welcome to Mia's Corner where we talk all things creative and today I have a very special guest, uh, co-founder and CFO of Brown Milk Company, brand strategist and content at Goldman Sachs. Did I get that right? I think I messed up the Goldman Sachs part. Now you're, yeah, I just do brand, brand strategy brand and uh, strategy, customer acquisition, but you could, you could just keep it brand strategy. That's cool. Cool. So just introduce yourself. Tell us about Brown Mill, the clothing brand. Cool. Hello, guys. Very happy to be a part of Mia's Corner. Now I knew Mia for a long time, so it was a pleasure to be on this platform. My name is Kwaku Ajamine. I am co-founder of Brown Mill Company. Brown Mill Company is a sustainable lifestyle brand based in New Jersey. Um, we make handcrafted garments. Right now, we're basically using fashion to educate our community about sustainability, sustainable living, and just living a better life. Um, we have an e-commerce store. We do pop-ups around the country. Um, currently, we have three stores that sell our stuff. We have a store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, a store in Soho, and also a store in Belgium. We're looking to expand this year. So yeah, check us out, Brown Mill Company on Instagram brandmillcompany.com on the internet. Nice. Yeah. Global. Uh, so <laughs> did you want to talk about, because I know we've known each other for a while since high school. So did you want to talk about how Brown Mill yeah. started in that whole story? Definitely. Um, so Brown Mill was created by my co-founder, Justice Pitt. And he actually started Brown Mill when he was in middle school, like around eighth grade. So he was really into fashion. So he taught himself how to sew. And the easiest thing for him to sew was bow ties. So he used to create these really fancy bow ties and wear them to school. And people used to be like, why is this like 13 year old wearing bow ties to school? But it's pretty cool. So when he got to high school, you know, he continued to wear the bow ties and it caught the attention of my second co-founder, Taha, who was an artist. So Taha was, in high school, he was really into graphic designing and he wanted to create his own t-shirts. So him and Justice just started talking about fashion. Ty was like, why don't I create the t-shirts, you create the bow ties and we could just start something up just like that. They didn't really know what they were doing, but they knew they loved to create clothes and fashion. Then I came along uh, a little longer in high school and I just love to sell things. During high school, I used to sell cookies from my locker <laughs> he used to sell my 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 reduced lunch card. I sold a lot of different things. He had an eBay account freshman year selling like reselling sneakers. So when I met Taha and Justice and saw they were making these clothes from scratch, I was like, yo, we could resell it for a, a profit because I was just thinking like, if you guys are making this from scratch, we're not really having any expenses. We could flip this, make a profit. Like I had the business mind rolling mm -hmm. and they just thought it was cool. So we kind of just started off with Taha making these cool t-shirts, Justice making these awesome bow ties, them giving it to me, me coming to school and just selling it. Um, this is when Instagram was like kind of getting up there. You know, people were still kind of using Facebook, but Instagram was like a new hot app. So I used to throw like brown middle clothes on my Instagram. Hit me up. If you want one, you can meet me in the locker between period four and five if you want one. <laughs> then prom season came and I think, during prom season, we realized like we actually had a market because a lot of people were reaching out to us for bow ties for their dates. Um, we were like having custom orders. People started 
reaching out to us for your species team. They want to bow ties. And we're like, okay, guys, we actually have an actual business. We need a bank account. We need all that good stuff. So um, we kind of learned fast in high school that, you know, the proper way to do business, how to manage the money. And we took those lessons into college where, you know, the business kind of just grew. It just, like, I think uh, college is really that point where we realize, okay, we got something good going. Um, we started making hats and we're getting like a lot of orders from the hats. We're walking around campus. Everybody had the hats on. Everybody had the t-shirts. We made our e-commerce website. We're getting orders from like California, Colorado. We got an order from Alaska. Then we got an order from Paris. We're like, okay, keep it going. And it got to the point where, you know, my co-founder is like, this is like what I really want to do. This is my passion. So whatever I'm studying in school, I'll probably just hold on that and just do brown mill full time. And that was the point for me. And I was like, okay, time to get real serious about this. And ever since then, we've been, you know, just grinding, trying to make things happen. Yeah, that's dope. The whole story. Uh, how did you um, creatively, like, over the years, because that was like, what year? 2011, 2012? Yeah, we're 2012, 2011. Over the years, how did you guys, like, refine, like, your designs and curate it to like your audience more like specialty wise yeah that's a good that's a great question um i think from the start like justice always wanted to be a high luxury brand like he always wanted to be a luxury brand and it was always funny to me because like yeah you know, how can we be a luxury brand when we're in high school and we're broke and the people <laughs> that buy our stuff is broke too right and it was just kind of like the whole mindset like fake it till you make it okay we we don't we don't have the opportunity to make a five hundred dollar t shirt and sell it for five hundred dollars, but we can make like the best t shirt we can make for ten dollars, and have that person feel like they're wearing a five hundred dollar t shirt. And that's kind of where the mindset started to go. Like as we expanded, we're like, okay, why don't we just use the resources we have to create like the best quality possible? And that kind of started with the bow ties. Like um, we couldn't afford to buy new fabric. So we started using old fabric. So if my mom had like a silk dress that she didn't wear anymore, it was just sitting there. I'll use that to make a bow tie. So that's still like an expensive fabric, but it's like inexpensive to me. And now I don't have to charge somebody like a hundred dollars for it to make my money back. So that's kind of where that whole sustainability um, process came from. You know, not really having a lot to work with and making it something out of nothing. And then, like, as far as, like, just creativity and, like, keeping that brand image intact, um, we have these pillars we go by. So, like, our whole thing is to educate, empower, and engage the community. So how can we do that through our clothing? And that kind of just, like, guides us as we create these new, like, styles. So recently we had, like, these uh, pink sweatpants we had. We made these pink sweatpants, and it was our first, like, woman item because most of our items are unisex and we're like okay we we have an opportunity with this platform and also like an opportunity to empower like women in our community so the first thing we did was we did like a whole shoot with a woman basketball player from Piscataway just to show like you know black women could be active they could be sportsy like it's not a bad thing to like want to be able to play basketball and then they could look fashionable doing it and then the second side of that, we actually did a fundraiser for breast cancer awareness because that really impacts 
a lot of women in our community, a lot of black women do die from breast cancer every year. So we decided to do that. And that was the way where we had this dope design, but we were still able to like engage, educate and empower our community just off of peace. Yeah, I should have worn my bra mill shirt. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, you definitely should have <laughs> do it on. I know. Uh, so can you, t- you kind of touched on it, uh, community. Can you talk more about like how you connected with the, your community, like from the beginning to now? Cause like Piscataway, which that's where we're from. Like you guys have like a big presence, like in the culture and everyone there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're really a community brand, honestly. Like I think our success comes to like how strong our community holds us down. Like our first cell, our first and last cell will be from Piscataway. We always say that. Doesn't matter how big we expand, there's always Piscataway holding us down. But just starting off, you know, just having like those teachers that took us to the side. Like, for example, like I had Mr. Viney, who was always empowering me, encouraging me to like just stay focused. I had Ms. Jordan, who was a business teacher, giving me tips on how to manage money and, and finances. I know Taha and Justice had like their own teachers that allowed them. I know there was a print teacher that had like a print shop in the high school that allowed Taha to print designs and different things like that. So just like that support and then outside of high school, just people like in the community buying our bow ties, even though they weren't like the best quality or saying like, hey, can you make my my son's bow ties for his prom or his team, even though it was like, probably not the best thing that the sun could wear, but they knew like the vision. And, you know, when it came to just even sourcing product, when people heard that we use like recycled material, those people constantly in our community reaching out saying, hey, I have these old jeans, I have these old shirts, do you want them? Um, when social media really got big, especially Instagram, Piscataway is always resharing on Twitter, always retweeting always like just show them mad love. Even to this day, like when we get tagged by a celebrity, the first couple of like mentions or comments would be people from the sky, like, yeah, that's Brownman, that's Brownman. So, you know, we really got a lot of love here. And that's why we love to just, you know, give back to the community anytime we get. Yeah, definitely. I, I always wondered, like, since you guys are like sustainable, like everything is made by hand, what's your process of like keeping up with like your orders and stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, honestly, if you notice, like sometimes we'll have like an item for like a couple of months and then that item never comes back. Like we, we kind of just run out of like items sometimes. So, I mean, that's like the pro and con of being sustainable. Like we could be like exclusive in a way, but if somebody really likes the style and we can't source it in like a correct fashion, then it kind of just goes away. But it is something we're working on. And we're also looking at, what it actually means to be sustainable too, because sustainability is not only like with fabric, is how you even interact with your money afterwards. Like if you are a small black owned business and you empower black owned business with your business, like instead of using uh, a corporate printer, we go to like a black owned printer and we go to like a, a black owned PR person, we're actually sustainable in the sense where we're keeping the dollar in our community too. So, you know, we just kind of look at different ways we could be sustainable, not only with the environment, but with our economy and just even with our social setting. Yeah. So what have you learned as like a young entrepreneur, like over the years that you would tell to other young people trying to start their own business? 
Um, definitely be patient with yourself. Be patient. Take your time. Take breaks. I think in this day and age, like since we're so exposed to everything, it's easy to like compare ourselves to people people we don't even know or feel like we gotta rush ourselves. Like we were always like, yo, this guy has his stuff on this person. Why isn't our stuff there? Like this person made this amount of money doing this and we we know our product is good. How come we're not doing that? And when we started to do that, we started to not look at what was in front of our face. And as an entrepreneur, when you can't realize what's, what's in front of your face, you kind of lose that passion because you're going to take L's. Like L's are going to be there. But if you're not like looking at your wins, where are you taking those L's? Then you're just going to like dig yourself in the hole. So be patient, you know, be grateful too, because the opportunity to even be an entrepreneur is a, is a blessing. Not a lot of people could have the free time to build something. Like some people had to work like double jobs just to stay afloat, pay the rent and pay bills. But if you have the opportunity to create and even live comfortably, then, you know, be grateful. So those are my two tips. Yeah. And can you yeah. talk about your trip to Africa? You went to Ghana, I believe, right? What was yeah. that like having brown mill over there? Definitely. Yeah. So I went to Ghana in December 2019 to January 2020. I think I left like a couple of weeks before Corona got really bad. But no, it, it was it was great. It was such an eye opening experience for me um, being around my people. I think it was a good time to go because, you know, race relations, you know, they're still not good now, but they're really getting to that level at the end of 2019. And just going to Ghana where everybody's black and you're not like looking over your shoulder all the time and everybody looks like you. It was hot, the heat, the food was good. And just like the culture there, and I really felt at home and being able to just bring Bramo there was cool too, because there's a lot of creativity out there. Like from, from kids to adults, everybody's creative. You see like the most creative things out there, people selling like water and making these makeshift, you know, pop-up shops on the side of the street. You know, people like riding skateboards that are not really a skateboard, they're like plastic on top of plastic. Um, you go to parties and the parties are like, it's like half day party, half indoor party. It was, just, it was just like a different vibe. And it's like, everybody's outside. It was awesome. And just being able to go into the fashion world and meet some like people in Ghana that are really pushing the fashion culture there, getting to talk to them and see like what they go through as a fashion person in Ghana and like comparing it to what we go through in the USA was pretty cool. And having that, you know, connection, you know, I'm guy and I'm America, they're in Ghana, but we still share that common, you know, denominator, that common sense of, you know, we're trying to uplift our people. So definitely a good trip. I 10 out of 10, I recommend as soon as this Corona pandemic is over, everybody should take a trip there, honestly. Nice. And that's influenced a lot of your clothing, like the designs too, right? Definitely. I think from the jump, you always try to add like a little, you know, guy in identity to it. I mean, right now, if you look at some of our pieces, we have like the Kente cloth, which is a cloth that's really like um, known in Ghana as like one of the most known cloths in Ghana, the fabric, the pattern. So we do that with our hoodie. Um, and we kind of just want to show like the black experience in America through our clothes too. So you're wearing a hoodie, a sweater that's like 
a staple in streetwear culture, hip hop culture, but she also had the kente cloth and the hoodie. So it was a combination. Yeah. And um, as far as social media, I know you kind of talked about, you know, the pluses and minuses. How do you guys leverage social media um, and kind of your partnerships with like well-known people? I see you got um, uh, mentioned in Vogue business. So congrats on that. So thank you. Curious about all of that. Yeah. um, You know, social media could be uh, definitely a good tool in just getting your name out there if you use it right. So um, we always use it just to like tell our story, um, let people know like the inside works. We try to use like the Instagram story feature a lot, not only to show like what we're doing, but how other people are interacting with our clothes. So as soon as somebody takes a picture of our item, they tag us, we throw in our story and actually leads the conversation because people will see the story and be like, yeah, how do you know so-and-so? Or how do you know that person? And we could, we could reply like, oh, I went to college with him. I went to high school. Um, you know, it makes you more accessible by having an Instagram than just having a website because not everybody's going to go to your contact us section on your website and type like a whole email. People just want to send a quick DM. And um, as far as opportunities too, like um, social media makes everybody pretty much accessible to you. So if you see an opportunity, there's, a, there's like a possibility you could slide into somebody's DMs and they reply. So the way we got into Vogue was actually um, a designer saw us, a New York-based designer saw us, and she had the idea to make a, a cookbook, but for fashion. That's dope. So, yeah, it's a really dope, dope idea. You guys definitely need to check it out. I can drop you the link, but it's basically, it gives you directions how to make different fashion pieces, like a cookbook. It tells you what supplies you need step by step. And at the end, you could create like a piece. So we were featured, a couple other sustainable brands were featured. And uh, Vogue really liked the idea. They picked it up and they wrote an article about it. Nice. So how did you guys um, shift? I know you talked about that you came from Africa right before the coronavirus got really bad here. Uh, as far as Brahma, how did you guys um, shift your brand, what you guys do in-person pop-up shops when coronavirus hit? Yeah, um, we really had to get more into the digital foundation of the company. Before Corona, you know, we had our Instagram, we had our Twitter, we had our Facebooks, and we we had our website, but we kind of relied on our pop-up shops we did. And we used to do a lot of pop-up shops. Um, 2019, we did pop-up shops in Atlanta, D.C., New Jersey, Brooklyn. And these are shops where we set up, like, you know, display and we sell our things to different people. We talk to them, we meet them. When Corona happened, you know, obviously you can't do that, but we had to figure out a way where we could share that same experience with our consumers through digital. Um, so we had to hone in our content creation and our PR. We started making more videos of just the process of what we're doing. We started going on Instagram live more, just talking to people um, started using different platforms like Clubhouse, for example, mm-hmm. where people could get to know us, um, you know, in person. We had the, the Clubhouse pop-up shop, which you hosted, which is perfect. And we we got fans through that. And just really, you know, post some more things on your website. It's kind of like if you don't show it, they won't see it kind of mindset with social media, especially if you're, go- you're running a business. So 
posting as much as possible. Um, I know it's easy to think you're annoying on Instagram if you're always posting, but you know, people post so much that when people see you post like four times a day, it's not even anything different for them. So really just posting a lot, getting more PR, reaching out to people who have blogs and YouTubes and partnering with them. So our voice and our story was getting out there. So yeah, that's how we kind of pivot. Yeah. So how did you find the right people for your team? I know Joanna is your PR person because you just mentioned PR. Uh, outside of your co-founders, how did you find the people that would fit in with your brand that you would work well with? Definitely. Um, so we actually met Joe at a pop-up we did in Atlanta. So we met her. Um, she really liked the brand. She was telling us about what she did and she worked for FIT. And it was just kind of like a casual conversation. And then like going into later in that year, we were like, yo, we need to revamp our PR because we have good products, but we don't get any placements. We don't get any websites. And I saw on Instagram that Joe was interning for Converse. So I was like, yo, we just met this girl at the pop-up. She really likes the company. Originally, I was just going to reach out to her to pick her brain about PR. But when she started talking to me, I was like, wow, she's really passionate. And I looked at the team and like, we actually don't even have any women in our team. And that's a bad thing. Like, you definitely need that diversity and a different perspective. So I reached out to her like, yeah, do you want to be, you know, part of the team? I know you're busy. And she was all for it. So that's that's just the way we were able to get some money. Like, so we kind of just look for like-minded individuals that kind of share the same vision, but can add like a different perspective. And we're still like, you know, openly hiring like we still need more people in our team we're pretty small so if you know anybody let me know i i can do it <laughs> i i know you're busy you know trying to <laughs> trying to run the road but, but we could talk Just kidding i'm jo- i'm joking i don't even know what i would do i would love to be a part of it but i'm not i'm not fit for anything like that but. We'll we'll find a place for you <laughs> yeah so um as Brown Mill grows and you guys keep growing, obviously it's like scaling pretty quickly. What do you think your social responsibility is, your moral responsibility, uh, just in general as a brand? Um, so I could start with the socially. Like, I mean, I've been blessed as like a black black male in America to go to college and I'll see also have like a good paying job. Like I currently work for Goldman Sachs, but even to get there, there was different people in my life that really set the path, like different mentors, different, you know, people that are higher up than me that kind of pulled me up. So I think my like duty as a person right now is to do the same thing for somebody else. Like if I see somebody that's younger than me trying to start a company, trying to get into college or even trying to intern at Goldman, I have the sole responsibility to making sure that happens for them or doing the best that I can. And making that into a bigger sense, I think Brown Mill, we have the responsibility of uplifting people in our community and creating those like those platforms and responsibility and those roles for people. So like, you know, the higher we go, we gotta bring people up with us. We gotta let people create like their own type versions of Brown Mill in the future. So I think that's like our biggest responsibility, letting people know they could do it and then showing people how they could do it and then letting them do it and, you know, surpass us so they could do it to somebody else and create that, you know, that rotation. Yeah. yeah. They say that um, people you mentor are supposed to do better than you. Yeah, definitely. That should always be the goal. 
Yeah. So you talked about Goldman Sachs. So I guess that's a good pivot point. So did you want to talk about what you do at Goldman Sachs and how that kind of um, helps you in bringing like certain skills to Brown Mill? Yeah, I I keep it very vague because I do have a couple of restrictions, but for Goldman, I basically... Oh, and by the way, I, I forgot to make the disclaimer. We work where we work, but we are don't represent who we work specifically in this interview because we're just, you know chatting yeah we're just we're just chatting yeah uh so i do brand strategy um for goldman sachs right now and that just means you know looking at our brand looking at different opportunities to go our brand um find different ways to interact with our customers finding you know customer issues and giving value letting customers know like what value we have in our products and our offerings and basically just being like that human face for the company. When you work for a big company, like a big corporation, people see you guys as a kind of like a machine, not really like a person. So our whole like mission as a brand strategist is to add that human aspect to the company. And that's what I kind of do day to day. Nice. So how did that help you? Um, Or interchangeably, how did being an entrepreneur and already being like the CFO of Brown Mail help you in your position or vice versa? Yeah. uh, that's a great question. So it, it was different because Brown Mill, we we're a we're a good company. Like we're we're I wouldn't say we're big, but we're getting to that spot where we're getting a lot of orders. But I still kind of know most people that come to our events and come to like our website and you know comment on our Instagram. So it's easy for me to like, let's say you buy something, hit you over, hey Mia, how was that order? Everything good? Oh, it doesn't fit. Let me come over and make sure it fits. Like we still have that personal relationship. When we work for a big company, they have millions of customers. Like, so they don't get, they don't have a chance to get that, you know, personal relationship. So it's how can we replicate that small business feel for big company? And I think by being a small business for so long, I was able to add like my own type of like vibe to it. You know, it's not possible to call everybody, but when somebody does call, the, the company, you know, instead of just going straight to their problem, maybe saying, how's your day? Or, you know, when people comment on our Instagram, maybe not just liking it, let's respond to them, make them feel like, oh, wait, you guys saw my comment? That's dope. Or, you know, the way we even email people, let's not make it so generic and robotic. Let's add like some little, hey, it's Friday, happy Friday, you know, different things to it. And then also like the pandemic, like, there was a lot of opportunities for brands to really show like their human aspect during this pandemic. Nobody really wants to know about your offerings or your product when people are dying, unfortunately. So kind of flipping the switch and showing like, yo, we're here for you. We're we're here. We still have these products, but the first thing we want to make sure is you're good. I was able to add that aspect because in my company, we're going through it too. You know, we're, there's some things you can't do certain things. We had different family members suffering from this virus. So just adding that aspect, I think really helped me. Yeah. And for Brown Mill, when George Floyd was murdered, what did you feel like you had to do in response to that? Yeah. Uh, so that was, a, that was a, a very like strange time for us because there was a lot of companies coming out with these like messages and these initiatives and black people are people and black people are humans too and we're just like 
yeah, we didn't really feel like we had to make a statement because we always knew black people were people and right. black people had feelings and black people went through what they went through. It wasn't, it was nothing that surprised us. Like for me, you know, growing up, we went to school when the Trayvon Martin thing happened. He was our age. So it wasn't anything eye-opening for us. Um, I don't think we were like, we had a feeling that we had to do something more than what we're already doing. I think we saw validation on what we're doing already. You know, yeah. we we saw like the community pull together to support us more because I think at the time when that first happened, people started to look around and, and saw like, why am I supporting these companies that don't even support me? Like these companies don't do anything for me or even care about me. And I think people saw us and they saw like, well, Brownville does these basketball games every summer and they provide water and they provide basketball to like the community and they, they do this and do that. Let me support them. And we were able to like, just like spread that message of what we're already spreading even more. So even though that was a very dark time, we did see like a opportunity for us, you know, unite people for our mission and, you know, make people feel better about the future of our community of what we we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. And can you talk about your cleanup days? Cause you do a lot of stuff around the community. So you guys like um, meet up at like parks, right. And clean up. Yeah. So, uh, Justice, our co-founder, his uh, girlfriend's mom actually owns a garden in Newark. It's called a Given Tenth Garden. It's an organic garden where they provide free vegan, not not vegan. They provide veggies, <laughs> veggies and fruits because fruits and veggies are already vegan to uh, the community. Um, and yeah, they uh, in the surrounding community, you know, there's a lot of like, it's not really that developed yet. So our thing was we wanted to make sure this garden stays intact and the fruits are able to grow properly. So we decided to do these, you know, once a month cleanups where we go there, we clean up all the weeds, we clean up the playgrounds around, we clean up the streets around, and we started to open it up to just volunteers. And during the summer, we had like a, a good, good number of people just come out, help. It, you know, it was during the summer, so it was hot, but people were there helping us clean up. And it was just good, you know, doing something for community. People in the street were just over there applauding us because they're like, they've been living on the street for a while and nobody's ever cleaned up. We got to support, uh, you know, the cops and the firefighters during the time where people weren't really messing with the cops. So it was just a good uh, project just to bring people together and just show people like we could all come together for the greater good. Yeah. And I know you've gotten like a couple of awards and spoke at some cool places. Can you kind of talk about that experience and uh, what you've kind of shared at like any like leadership conference or anything like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I got a couple of awards in college. I think like my, the biggest one I got was I, I won entrepreneur of the year for New Jersey my senior year of college so that was cool it was a competition against a lot of great entrepreneurs in new jersey if you won you got to represent new jersey in a bigger competition for for america and if you won for america you represent america for the bigger competition for the world so it was just like levels mm -hmm. so i made it to like the america round and it was 50 people one from each state i made it to the finals unfortunately i moved past but just there i was just sharing about my experiences being an entrepreneur from New Jersey, being a black entrepreneur, um, you know, it was it was very eye-opening because when I, once we made it to the 
America round and we saw everybody from 50 states, there's actually only three people, three black people there. There was a couple wow. people of color, but there's only three black people, um, not a lot of women. And, you know, that just kind of paint the picture. Like, even though I'm surrounded by people that look like me constantly as I'm building this brand, that's not the... That's not how America looks when they look at entrepreneurship. It's mostly white males and Wall Street is mostly white males. So it kind of just drove me to just be more intentional with what I'm doing and like have more fire under me. Cause like, yo, we need more representation when it comes mm-hmm. to places like this. We need to like, you know, support each other. It's not a competition if nobody's winning. It's only competition if we're winning and we're not winning right now. So, right. Um, but yeah, that was one award. Uh, I got, we won another award where we were actually awarded an office space for five months by uh, a company. So Brownville had an office space my senior year for like five months. That was cool. And yeah, that's, those are like the biggest two that, that come to my head. Nice. Yeah. So how is it networking knowing that there's not that representation as it should be like, you still have to build these relationships with everyone and it has to be organic. How is that for you? Yeah, it was pretty hard just just starting off like in a professional setting for the business setting, because when you're like the only black face in a space, you kind of represent, unfortunately, all black people. So you're checking yourself, making sure like your tie is straight, nothing's in your teeth, you're saying the right things. And it could feel like a lot of pressure for you, but you know, Starting off, I was always like, you know, insecure, like, yeah, should I even be in these spaces? Should I, am I allowed here? But now I'm just realizing, like, I just got to be myself. Like, I just got to be myself. I got to be me because at the end of the day, that's all I could be. And I feel a little more relaxed. Like, I know there's a mission. Um, me being there is setting the tone that if somebody else comes, maybe I'm uncomfortable now, but now that second person comes, he sees me, he feels a little better. And then so on to the point where we have 10 people in the room. And we're all just chilling. Nobody feels like they have to like put on like their white voice or, you know, (laughs) wear something they don't want to wear or somebody's mispronouncing their name. They don't want to correct them because like everybody else has like a American or regular sounding name. So Mm -hmm. I I know like it's kind of like a sacrifice you got to make to just make things better or just a sacrifice you got to make to just get that knowledge to pass on to your community. Your knowledge. Is that Definitely. At name? <laughs> nah, I changed it. But <laughs> always dropping knowledge. So, what's one piece of advice? I know you dropped a lot of pieces of advice. What's one overall piece of advice that you would give to again young people trying to get into these spaces, especially trying to start a business and thinking about like the LLC and all that other complicated stuff that you would give trying to navigate? Uh, have friends like Mia. It's like nah. Stop. Well, I mean, to that to that point, you know, have have good friends or just have a good surrounding. You can't do everything yourself. Um, I know a lot of people want to be self-made, like I did it myself, like I built this from the ground up. You can't do that. You need people that are, you know, open to listen to your ideas and they're also doing their own things because the key to having a good business is having a business that people like. And you can only get that if you have like people to have like a soundboard with. Like you need people who you could show a design to or idea and they can actually criticize you and you accept that. You can't do it by yourself. You need to build that network. You need to have good friends. You need to be surrounded by people who are helping you focus 
letting you know what to do. So that's like one of my greatest advice to just people I meet. Um, people like, yeah, like I'm having trouble starting a business. I can't do this. I can't do that. So everything you can't do, find somebody that can do it. So you can't design and you can't sell or you can't print, find somebody that can't do it. I mean, you could learn from YouTube, but you're probably not going to be better than somebody who's like naturally talented. Mm-hmm. And then I always tell like even my, um, the people I mentor right now was, I don't know how to sell a bow tie and I don't know how to design a bow tie, but I could sell a bow tie. And Taha doesn't know how to sell a bow tie, but he could design a bow tie. And then Justice doesn't know how to sell a bow tie, but he could sell a bow tie. So if we were all just left to like in our separate, it wouldn't be a good company, but since we're joined, we're just a stronger force. People love sports all the time, but most sports are a team sport where there's multiple people doing multiple things. So if they're using that type of system to like win championships and like win all these titles, why don't you use the same system for the business you're trying to grow? Like you definitely need more people to help you, just more people to just help you balance everything. And it's even less stressful when you're doing it with people who are generally good at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not as like forceful to have like, yeah, they're more passionate about it, too. Exactly. Yeah. So what was Brahma working on? Any partnerships in the works that you can talk about? Um, any new things up the pipeline? Yeah, we have this new release coming out February 1st. Um, we got these rugby's, these chain stitch rugby's. Um, we're working with uh, a girl named Shakira. She's a pro with chain stitch and she could put your name on anything. She's an artist and she's making these, she's helping us make these rugby's. We have these new hats coming out. Um, so that's going to drop February 1st for Black History Month. We're still working on a couple events, but we, we do have a pop-up planned in Atlanta where we're just going to display our stuff to that market down there. Um, we do have a pop-up plan in you know, the Piscataway, Metuchen area is going to be our homecoming pop-up in the spring. Not than that, yeah, you know, just getting ready for this release and these couple of events. Hopefully Corona chills out just a bit <laughs> so we could, you know, we could really turn up a notch, but. Atlanta's yeah. wide open, I think, so you should be good down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Atlanta is open. Yeah, that's cool. That's really good. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been great. You dropped so many good gems. I'm sure people listening will appreciate it. Uh, and thank you for coming on. Nah, thanks so much for having me. This is dope. Yo, everybody should tune into this. Do you do this weekly? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, tune into this weekly. And yeah, really appreciate you. It was oh. a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>